Welcome to this episode of Unbiasedly Speaking with your host, Tracy Spears, and today's guest, Robin Lowy. All right, I'm super excited to introduce you to my guest today, Robin Lowy, and you are from Lesbian Game Changers. Listen, I'm that title. I love it. So welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. Very excited. So what, what is Lesbian Game Changers? Let's just start there. How do you end up being known as the Lesbian Game Changer person? Oh, well, it's a long story. Briefly, I, I'm, a long, uh, I'm a lesbian mom, kind of a pioneering lesbian mom with my partner and I. We have two grown boys. And along the way, I found out that there's a lot of homophobia in the schools still, a lot of name calling on the schoolyard and I began to go into the schools and speak to the kids as a lesbian um, representative, uh, the Gay and Lesbian uh, Speakers Bureau. So I would bring in trans people and go in and just talk to the kids and talk about my life. And uh, I'm a graphic designer and art director by trade. So there was a moment where the law changed in California where they include now uh, LGBTQ history and social studies in the public school curriculum in high school. Mm. So I felt like there's a need for this fun book. And I pulled together a lot of women I know that I feel are role models for today's youth and created a graphic novel style book that I've been donating to the schools. Oh my God. I I have a lot of questions out of that. First of all, a gay and lesbian speakers bureau. I didn't know that existed. (laughs) Really? Yeah, no, I had no idea. That's awesome. That's good. It kind of comes from San Francisco out of the ACT UP movement with the AIDS thing. And and they, they had trainings and we were all taught how to uh, explain terms. Some of the things we do is um, explain what things mean, like what is heteronormative or what is, um, I'm trying to think one of the main ones is heterosexism. So that's the phenomenon when you walk into a room, you just assume that everyone is straight. And pretty much everyone has that. That's like saying, you know, who has imposter syndrome, really? Um, we all have that. We all just look around and think, oh, gosh, everyone's straight. And that's not true. So it's important to to teach the kids about what does bi mean? Does it mean that you want to sleep with everybody all the time? Or does it mean that maybe you, you know, fall in love with different people of different sexes along the way? Yeah. So we just debunk uh, stereotypes and um, just work on terminology and just represent. So that that was a really fun thing for me to do for many years. I, I no longer do that because our local chapter folded because of the funding. So not that it's not still needed. Listen, so as you know, or maybe don't know, since we just met, I, I'm sitting in the middle of, uh, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma in the big red state. And with, with my fingers crossed for hope of, to be more <laughs> less red and more blue, but, um, you know, I, the idea that somebody comes into the school system talking about lesbian history or, you know, um, just all of the things that have happened, I found that, I find that so inspiring and you've been doing it for a while, but obviously it's not made its, its way here. So, um, well, I sh- it's not particularly popular here either. And in fact, many kids would opt out. They would call in sick that day. Their parents didn't want them to see us. No. And yeah. And so there was high, there was a junior high that my, both my sons went to where a little boy who had pink hair, go figure, um, 
committed suicide and no one mentioned that he might have been a gay kid or anything like that. And um, I tried to get in there to speak and they said, oh, we don't need we don't need you here. You know, so it's very much like that here, too. But there were a handful of schools that were receptive. My own son's high school class, in fact, that I went into, which I was super embarrassed. I'm like, honey, is it OK if I come into your class? And he said, yeah, the kids really need to hear you. So that was a, an amazing moment where the kids were all half asleep and all these kids I knew from baseball coaching. <laughs> Listen, so so when your kids, um, when you had your children, they were raised at a time when there was probably a lot more discrimination, obviously, than there is now. Did they have a tough time with that? You, you describe it as maybe it was just no big deal, but was it? It was a big deal for them. I mean, my older son, I believe, wrote an essay for his college about being the son of lesbians and how that affected him. Um, also, he, when we first moved to this, we lived in San Francisco and all our friends, most all our friends were of some two uh, biracial, um, two men, two women kind of parents. And so when we moved here to this suburb, the kids were shocked. My older one was starting junior high and he was like, mommy, everybody's saying you're so gay, you fag on the schoolyard. What's going on here? I, I'm like, well, we're not in San Francisco anymore. And, and so he set a standard, even as a new kid, where he told the kids, look, I'm not going to hear that from you. I don't, you know, if you're going to talk like that, I won't be your friend, you know, which is pretty bold. He's that kind of guy. And then when he got older, he became like a, a champion rower on this very elite rowing club with all these very wealthy kids. And those kids, again, as in later in high school, were doing the same thing. And he was team captain and like wouldn't have it. It was pretty cool. And then my younger son all along has been quite the champion of what I'm doing with the book and helping me all the way because he's pretty much the demographic now. He's 24 now, but he's the, he's my older one's 30 now. So I don't think it's changed a lot. I think kids are still doing this at a pretty alarming rate even though it's kind of cool to be gay and all that, it's different. They still say you're so gay or that's so gay all the time. And I'm like, well, what do you really mean by that? Well, we don't really mean anything bad. Yeah. And I'm like, well then explain it to me how that's not a bad, how that's not a bad connotation. I mean, they really literally don't get it. It's like saying you're lame or you're fat or you're, it's like somehow okay yeah. in the vernacular. We do a lot of unconscious bias training and a lot of, you know, kind of what uh, terms mean. And it's interesting that we still have some of those terms, right? That, you know, you would, we could look at now and say that, that we shouldn't have been saying that for so many, so many years, <laughs> uh, but people don't connect to the meaning behind that sometimes. So I don't know. Listen, you've got to be so proud of those two young men though. That's, that's pretty. Oh, they're, they're little feminists too. They're very much, um, they get the plight of two women raising them and the kind of sexism we both endured in our careers and the fact that we didn't make as much money as some of the families with the father that was off doing something big while the mom did all the work. You know, we very much shared the raising uh, of the boys. The, the, the best time when I soared in my career was when my, my ex uh, stayed home with the boys and had dinner ready and like made, take, care of all the details for a period of time, I was able to really move up in my career. But it's it's tough being a parent and being um, on board with raising your kids right and having the kind of careers that's expected today where you're gone for 12 
14 hours a day. Listen, so, so you took this need for education, you created a book. Can we talk a little bit more in detail about that project, if you will, what you did? Absolutely. So you're saying that okay. you went into these schools, but you didn't just go in and say, hey, you know, I'm a lesbian, let me tell you about it. You did a lot more than that. So tell us right. about that. Well, I got the idea to create the book. What I did was I started a blog about a little bit older lesbian women and I've had them tell their stories. Here's Donna Hitchens, the first out lesbian judge in the United States. And I have a lot of uh, entertainers, lawyers, and adventurers, just really interesting women. So what I realized was that I had a, a very large network of women that I knew that were willing to do this. There was a lot involved with these. They had to uh, they had to write an, a personal essay with an aha moment that then I had to edit down. And then I was able to gather all their childhood and recent images and things that would allow me to create a, an illustrated timeline. Nice. And so that was a tremendous amount of work just organizing all this information. So I asked a lot of women. I, I wanted more women of color in here. And I, I plan on um, including more in my next series, which is a film series. But in this case... I had to go with people that were willing to give me all these artifacts and tell me these stories. And so of all the people that I asked, you know, what, 17 of them were willing to give me all that stuff. So I have a lot of really deep stories and a few shorter stories, but the ability to get enough women of color has always been a struggle. And not only is it hard to just get all these artifacts, but of course, when you look at history, when you look at being already white, uh, if you're a lesbian trying to make an impact in some cultural way, what be it business or arts, if you have that strike of being a woman of color against you as well, the disadvantage is pretty clear, especially in the 1970s, to try to have the kind of impact. So when I when I did this book, I chose women who were over 50 who had created significant cultural impact on queer culture specifically. So that is the point of it. So now I'm kind of expanding that and trying to bring in younger women. And, you know, you also had to come out young, which isn't always easy for women of color. So what I'm trying to do is just really expand um, what the parameters are and just keep going with this project and really bring in way more women of color, way more different people of all sorts, uh, be it economic, just trying to really make a tapestry of all kinds of women who've made impact. So it's really important to me to not just have it be this particular type of woman that maybe is a demographic that I fall into. Understood. Listen, if you're just now joining me, my guest is Robin Lowy, and she is the author of Game Changers. And um, when I saw that book and saw that you're taking pictures and chronicling their lives, and I listened to the Kate Kendall, um, you know, uh, that you sent over, whom I love and so grateful for all the work that she's done for us as well. But what I what struck me is how what you said so few role models when we were growing up there was and you know every lesbian of a certain age said you know we we didn't have that right it just it wasn't there and the fact that there is an 11 year old or a 13 year old sitting in a class and you're offering this book that's kind of a history it's pictures this is what she looked like this is her journey this is to connect with them i can't imagine that that can't be one of the most uh, probably biggest game changers to your the point of your book 
for some of those young lesbians, young, young queer folk, right? Agreed. Yeah. And if I had been able to see something like that growing up, the impact it would have made on me for my self-esteem and, and my ability to just proceed with life. It was a very difficult journey for, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm 62 years old. Here it was 19. When I started to like girls, I was just a little girl. So I felt very inhibited and pretty much horrified that that was how I felt. And I tried very hard to deny it and, and just ignore it. And it didn't work in the end. But the point is, is that if I had had someone to look up to or someone that I admired or anybody, it would have been very helpful. So just to find this. And I try to make the book be like a piece of candy, like a fun thing with with illustrations and bright colors, just just to really bring it home that that yeah we're older now but we were once very young and vibrant and doing crazy stuff like like that like they could and and the fact that they could stand on our shoulders and have the kind of lifestyle now where it is much more open in general at least in my area for for young people and you know I, I went into a class and had a girl in tears come up to me and hug me and just say oh my god I I saw I found your book in, in the caster, it was, it was at some bookstore. She didn't find it in her school, but I was going into her school to speak about it. And she had found the book and she couldn't believe I was really there and was like hugging me and crying and stuff. It was so impactful yeah. for me. Listen, you, because you and I of a certain age grew up thinking this is a secret. I'm the only one. There's, you know, only like six other lesbians in the whole world. I hope I find them, right? <laughs> yeah, all those things that, you know, and, and I had a coming out story that was not good. Parents disowned me, 21 years old. All oh, those really? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, listen. Uh, and I remember thinking, uh, you know, gosh, uh, I wish there was a resource here. I mean, the resource I had were my other friends that were saying, I'm not telling my parents, right? <laughs> you know, they say how that goes. And now I have a friend that last week said her teenage daughter comes bounding down the steps and says, I think I might be a lesbian. And I'm like, fantastic. Ah, <laughs> and, <yay>. and she's <laughs> like, why, why are you excited? And I'm like, I'm just excited that a young person can come down and say, hey, this, this might be who I am now. And it's a non-event for the right. most part, you know, for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, I think about like the, the, the books, the movies, the, um, the ways that we saw the world when we were young, where every time a lesbian was depicted, uh, we, we saw them maybe be happy for a second, and then they had to either go insane and get put away or die or go back to their husband or whatever. But there was never a happy ending ever um, in any story that we ever saw. And, and I can't even imagine, I can't imagine the impact that had on me as a young person. So that that's just not the case now. They're they're characters all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and even when people say when they find out you're gay, and then parents would say, "Well, I, you know, I just I wanted you to have an easier life." Or right, you're going to grow old and alone. Old and alone. That's the. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you're going to be old and alone like an old hag. <laughs> well, that's why I love the book too. Is that it makes it it, it shows the journey of it of of a really fun, interesting time that, you know, if you ignore that history, then then that's how easy it is to go back to it. I mean, look what's happening right now with, with our Supreme Court or whatever. The rights that we may lose, that we fought so hard for, I mean, if we don't have the knowledge that we came from that, like when I grew up, I had to take my friend in for a secret abortion and, you know, this, 
this kind of stuff, if we don't know what came before us, how are we prepared to deal with, like if we just assume, oh yeah, this is just the way it is. Well, no, for us, it wasn't that way. We had to do it when there wasn't anyone to look up to. They have us to look up to. Right. So it's exciting for me to present that to them and say, this. it didn't just happen that you get to be all open and, oh, and then they also tend to diss on the word lesbian. That's a that's a thing. I don't know if you know about this. No. Oh yeah, they don't like that word. They don't want to be labeled. You know, they're queer and they're fluid. When I was asked to speak at Plexicon, uh, my, my little panel was called you know, lesbian game changers, whatever. And they said, you know, if you could just use the word queer or just anything but lesbian. And I was like horrified. But then I realized, you know what, if I want to get these youngsters to my group, I better do that. So I did. I made it be, you know, queer. Oh, how these outliers affected queer culture. I named it. And when they got there, when they got there, uh, we talked all about lesbian and, and why that word's important. Um, it just simply means female homosexual. When we came out, we didn't have all these options at all. And, and even being bi was frowned upon and so on and on. We just had that word. If you were gay, you were a man. So it's like it's just a word. It's our language's fault. The fact that we don't have a word for a middle gender person that really makes sense and is easy to roll off the tongue and when you talk about a them, you get pretty, it's pretty stumbly when you say we, this and that, because you don't know how many people you're talking about. It's just sad that our language is so lacking in a non-binary language, really. Yeah, the word queer, I still go, oh gosh, like I'm always surprised, you know. By oh, and my mom hates it. My mom gets mad. She goes, that's just a bad word. I don't think so. I mean, I own the queer thing. I like the queer thing now. I really enjoy it because it really does embrace all sorts of possible possibilities of gender and sexual preference, which by the way, are not the same thing at all. That's another thing I bring into the schools. If you are a non-binary person, it doesn't necessarily mean anything about who you like to have a romantic relationship with. That's a whole different thing. People get confused a lot and it's, it's tough because it's just not what it's about. So does the school system hire you and say, create this book? How do you end up that you have this book? Is this a passion project? Um, and all those schools start buying it. And so that's the first question. And the second question is, will it extend beyond where you are now? Thank you for asking that. It did not start as a request for many schools. When I learned that the law had passed, my fiscal sponsor is called All Our Families, and they're very much involved with, with making sure that the textbooks are correct about which historical pictures uh, figures were gay and why it's important to name it. Gertrude Stein or Oscar Wilde, you, you can't just talk about them in the context of history and not mention that they're uh, gay or lesbian. So that's the real actual law. As far as teaching more recent history, like what I've done in this book, that's a little different because the curriculum in the state of California, at least, and I'm pretty sure across the nation, as far as recent history, the closest you get is the Vietnam War. If you've made it to the Vietnam War in your, in your study of that year or at, throughout high school for American history, then you're done. You've made it. So there's no real recent history. These schools that are a little more progressive, that want to teach about current events and things and talk about civil rights movements, that's kind of the option of a teacher that wants to expand on the existing curriculum, which is it's tough. What I did was just create the book as a resource and donate it to as many schools as I could. So I, I raised money on crowdfunding and I gave a book or two 
to every school in the San Francisco Bay Area, every public high school. And it often sits in there. They have like wellness centers where a kid might go if he feels weird or bullied. He's kind of in the office or somewhere. But he, he can sit in a little lounge or she or they, and they can uh, pick up this book and, and feel a little less alone, perhaps. That's one way they find it. It could be in the library. And if we have progressive teachers, which are the ones that have invited me into the class to speak. And it's not, it's not a paid gig at all. It's like, hey, will you come in and just do a presentation on the book? I've been so lucky to go into some of these local high schools and show a presentation on PowerPoint with things in the book and like give all the kids a book or meet with the, or the Gay Straight Alliance or the Queer Straight Alliance sometimes uh, in the schools. There's little clubs, at least here, where they can join in. And a lot of straight girls are in there. They love the, the gay boys. And then they're, you know, you don't know who's in there, but whoever they are, there's usually a couple of queer kids too. Sure. And, and they're very excited to hear from me. And, and I give the, I just give the book away all the time. That's my favorite thing to do. I'll be sending you one. Get ready. <laughs> Good. I can't wait. I've, I mean, I've seen it. I've looked at it online too, but yeah, I want to, uh, I, I want to handle it. So, so you have really just reached in your own pocket. Listen, if people are listening in and want to help you, how can we help you get uh, more people to invest in the, this curriculum? Well, if you go to my website, which is lesbiangamechangers.com, it's easy to find your way to either donate or just purchase a book. And I'll be uh, running a new fundraiser soon. So if you want to join our mailing list, you can be in the know about what's happening. Um, I'm going to do an Indiegogo campaign because I've, what I've decided to do next with the book is create the film series, which would be a, um, a supplement to the book because a lot of kids don't really, you know, they might, they mostly learn online and look at the world today. Everybody's home anyway. So I thought doing a film series would be a great way to expand on some of the information in the book and just do a really fun, you saw Kate Kendall's. Did you like that? I loved it. What was it? What was it that resonated with you about that? I love that you did the history of her. You showed the film of her uh, progression in her career. So I liked just, and her talking about her uh, her mom, that her coming out was super easy, that she's anchored everything in her, uh, all the success of what she's experienced to that moment when her mom says, all I care is that you're happy. Like that was, uh, I have goosebumps. Um, I have goosebumps too when I hear that because my parents didn't say that. My parents ended up being accepting in the end, very much so. But at first they were kind of mad. They were mad. I mean, it, I, I was in the middle of you and her. I didn't get a cheerleader at all but I did in the end my mom has become like the p-flag mom of her retirement community and she's you know these people come to her oh my god my son's gay she's 90 and she's like well my daughter's gay and like you know we we are very happy with her and she's got a great life and whatever so she comes out over and over to these old people that are super super worried about their gay grandchild or something pretty funny but yeah I mean so I'm doing the film series and I'm hoping that if I could raise more money to just keep going with that and and then I can give these films away to the schools it'll be access for everyone free access for everyone really and the idea is that kids can do research and find out more about some of the people in the book as well as the new ones which I need to you know I have already lined up some women of color I want to try to get more women of color in there and get a more broad view of the heroes that we have to look up to. Some are quite a bit younger, so it's it's going to change from not necessarily women that 
are of the younger generation, but they might be in the sort of 30, 40 range. A lot of women have done incredible things and that wasn't easy for them either. You know, they aren't quite our gen or my generation, but I'm not sure <laughs> how old you are. <laughs> but they might be 40, which would be, you know, I could have a 40 year old son if I was, if I was on it and in my early twenties, but no, anyway. Yeah, well, so that generation has done so many amazing things. Wow. And I have a lot of people lined up. I'm super excited about how this is going to go. Well, I'm cheering and, you on. Uh, the, the, just as we know, representation means so much. We're learning a lot of that from our, um, you know, what's going on in our world right now. That if we don't see ourselves in positive ways and in positive roles, whether it's on TV or in books, or that it's much harder to when you don't have that connection to be authentically who you are. So you're providing. That, a roadmap for that, which, yeah, instead of it being an asterisk, which is what it was, my, it has been my whole life, right? Just, you know, yeah. oh, you know, I, I can remember thinking that's just such a small piece of who I am, that whole idea of who I love, how I identify, you know, like somehow to compartmentalize that in this very small part so I could fit into the world, yeah. you know, uh, in general. When I look back on that now and I think, oh my gosh, I should have made my world fit into who I was. Right, instead of doing that in reverse. And I, I do, I always say this on, you know, every time I'm speaking to someone that inspires me like you do, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have been braver, uh, you know, but I just wasn't. And so I wonder if you walked into my school when I'm 14 years old, if that doesn't change how I move about the world, which ultimately does change the world, right? I guess so, yeah. And look what you're doing now, putting this podcast out and being really bold about being out and it's important. Thank you. It, I, you do I, it I, now. <laughs> I mean, when I was a parent, all our friends were like these straight couples and because we were all about being parents forever for 20 years, whatever, 20. The boys are six years apart. So that's 24 years of being mommies, you know, and the assumed heterosexuality of being a mom. I had to come out over and over again. What does your husband do at every PTA? Every time I had a job because I looked pretty straight, you know, and, and I, I, every job I had to come out again. So what does your husband do? <laughs> Was the favorite question. Oh, his father must be so proud. Oh, you know, oh, it's just on and on. You have to keep coming out. You never, you're never done. Did you ever just, people don't think about? Right. What? You just tap out and just say, oh, he's a astronaut or something. <laughs> oh, well, when I went to Bali by myself once on a surf trip, they felt so bad for me. They're horrified. They're like, where's your husband? Like they really feel bad. And I'm like, he's at home. You know, I just didn't want, but um, <laughs> my sons ha had, you know, and people also question um, whether or not, you know, did they have enough male role models, your sons? Well, think about all those dads that are absent working all the time. These kids had two loving parents that were very different from each other and brought to the table a lot for them. Um, and plus everything in society is the male influence. I mean, come on, like everywhere you look, it isn't so much, you might have a male teacher that you love or whatever, but everything in society is skewed uh, from the male viewpoint. So I always just, I never even know what to say to that. It's so awkward. And it's such an, really an anti-feminist kind of question because you just simply don't understand that the world is male dominated. You couldn't even unwind that if you tried and you were two moms, but you do try and the kids turn out to be better men, I believe. My older son was in a study about the moral 
implications. And there was a whole book written about a if a boy is raised by two women, is his moral compass better or worse than a boy raised by two, a straight couple? And and they and she spoke to him over the years and interviewed him, the older son. And then it came to light that of course his moral compass was as stronger as stronger more so than than any kid of straight parents. It's kind of funny. I love that. And I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, me neither. But people were surprised. That that. My boy, it, this is his superpower, he said. I, I taped him recently because I'm going to use this for my pitch video. He said, having lesbian moms that were out and um, really followed their passion was his, is his superpower. How about and, that? You know, I know. Because he understands what it feels like to be othered. And he's a straight white man who's good looking and athletic and educated and it's like, oh yeah, always teaching my boys. Remember, this is not, this is not who you are. You've had so much handed to you. You have to understand that you have a step up from so many, and it's not because you're so smart that you, you know, you have a good job and you're able to live on your own at a young age, and that you're, you know, these things are because you're white and educated, tall, good looking. Just add them up. So he he gets that. They both do so strongly, and I just love that. I feel like if I've done anything, I've brought two men into the world that understand their advantage. Gosh, I'm so passionate about what you're talking about right now, the difference between equality and equity, and, you know, that, that they understand that, you know, as a young... You can't teach great, that. No, well, you really, can't. You have to live it. Yeah. You no. can't see the the air you're breathing or the water you're swimming and you just can't. And these guys are on me. They got every Black Lives Matter book stacked up and I've been reading them, you know, and, and I'm I'm passionate about it too because that kind of systemic racism, you know, it's something we have to unlearn. And it's very similar to the sexism and all that. And I and I get the sexism very clearly, but I have to work hard because I live in a very white community and I and I have a lot of women of color friends and it's just my obligation to like I said before, you have to unwind all this stuff. We're just, we're, we live in a world where we're just inundated by male culture and white privilege. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. So I have a business partner and we do a lot of the unconscious bias training in corporate America. And so we'll get, right. on, we'll have conversations with companies. And there's a, a point in that presentation that we talk about mistakes, how I've gotten it wrong which is really how Tracy's gotten it wrong, right? You know, like, you know, I was raised in that generation of, I don't see color, you know, all those okay. things that are so horrific now. Colorblind and, society. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I always say to Lionel, so when I'll, I'll say what my generation learned and you tell me what you heard from that. And it's a really interesting dialogue because, you know, the well and, you know, good intentions and all that, but like we have completely marginalized how we even think about, it. like I thought, okay, well, I'm, you know, LGBTQ and I was raised, uh, you know, uh, grew up in a, in a trailer, like all these things, like I've had it rough too. And yeah. so we, and I, in the session I say, but at the end of the day, I can present as a white person and I can present as a straight, I can do, you know, like I can't, I can alter myself to fit in. And yeah. And she's like, that's right. And I can't, I, every room I walk in, I'm still a black woman. And so right. it, it's been a really, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm like you, I'm always aware and 
thinking about it, but the George Floyd murder changed me deeply. And I, and I'm, I'm kind of sad to say that that's, that was the moment I started paying even more attention. Yeah. What's really, well, what that's really saying is all the rest of the um, tragedies didn't affect me, but it, it, um, it just changed. It changed a lot of us, I think, in a way to say, oh, wait a minute, there's the systemic piece to this is now something I'm really interested in. And I love that you're talking about systemic, uh, you know, systems right now. What, what's interesting to me too, like what you're saying is, um, so I thought, yeah, well, I get it because I'm gay. I get it because, you know, I was a lesbian parent, whatever. And then it's like what I'm learning from all the studies. I think what's required is to study this stuff. And, and what I'm learning is that, yeah, I'm, I am sure everyone has a, a caveat card like oh yeah but it, it doesn't affect me as much because I was other too but then it's like what you need to for me to realize is yeah I'm totally white and educated and I walk through the world with people smile at me on the street that plus the other thing it doesn't negate it I, like it's it's very much what you just said it doesn't negate the fact that we've been othered to some degree it's like yeah we have white privilege and we've been othered but like how does being othered really affect us it's nothing like nothing like if we walk in the world and are s spotted with fear or or treated differently in every possible setting yeah. it's nothing like that yeah like oh you're gay you're, you're white big deal <laughs> i'm still enjoying trying to bring this stuff to the world because it, it was a big it's my wheelhouse it's what i understand so when i can weave the racism piece into this and really make those parallels and draw it all together. That's to me the most important thing. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm so excited that somebody like you is walking around in this world, trying to change uh, the youth um, experience because that's, that is going to affect our world for generations. So I'm super, super grateful about that. You were telling me that you have a big move coming up. What's so tell me what's going on in your world right now. You, oh, well, <laughs> Well, I was uh, married for 27 years, not legally, but with my lesbian partner. And we each had a boy and all that. And about 12 years ago, we didn't make it past middle age. We started when we were 24. We made it to early 50s. And, and now we're amicably apart. So I have, over the last two years, started dating someone who came from, she, was, she also has grown children, which is a really good factor for us having a commonality. And she's very sporty and we just, we, we, we get each other, but she came from a straight marriage and she was divorced about 12 years ago as, as well from a man though. And so she really only came out around then. And so our views of the world are very different as far as what we've been talking about, walking through the world as an open lesbian. I still cringe. I'm still, uh, trying to like kind of pass on some level unconsciously, I suppose. I don't really want to, but I, I get nervous when she tries to hold my hand in a crowd, in a, in a place that I'm not familiar with. I'm like, why, uh, like people might, you know, call me a dyke or, or spit on me, you know, it's happened, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But so we are moving in together. It's a big step. We're moving to a beautiful flat and I'm really excited. And I, you know, I have boxes everywhere. I'm, it's, you know, it's, it's a big step for me and I'm nervous about it, but I'm so excited that at my age, I can start a new life with a like-minded person and the, the differences of us coming out early come up 
they ca they came up. I think it was just yesterday. We we were talking about. Uh, well, I know you have a similar situation, but we were talking about something about a marriage, and she goes, she kept referring to it as a marriage. I'm like, you don't understand. We all got married at the very end. And then maybe we got divorced or whatever in these long relationships because all those years we couldn't be married. And there were so many rights and ways that we didn't get what everyone else got. Sure, we had kids together and owned homes together, and but we never legally were married. So it was messy. It was always the society was like, we don't really accept you all the way. So um, the fact that we just got married, a lot of people got married at the end of these long-term relationships and then they had to go through formal divorces. And it was just trying to understand that fact that no, we weren't married. She wasn't my wife. You couldn't even, in a PC way, we couldn't even say that this is my wife. That would be like frowned on because why do we want to be like straight people and be married, whatever. But as Kate pointed out in that, in that film that I did, it's so interesting how the right to marry opened it up for everyone in every possible way. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. It's it's this normalizing of our relationships or or being able to be like everyone. But go ahead. I want to hear more about you and, and your situation. Does it align with what I'm saying at all? You know, for sure. So uh, Rosemary was married uh, for 27 years. When you say 27, that always that connected me. Um, and I was the first woman she's ever been with. And no way. Yeah, I know, right? That's her story and she's sticking to it. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, like in the beginning, she was so excited, you know, just to be together. And I came with all of the lesbian baggage, if you will. Right. Which is, you know, we, you know, nobody has to know. We, you know, just, you know, I was just very nervous about her friends who were all straight. What are they going to say? Um, I've told this story before, but you have not heard it. I'll tell you. You know, like the first time we had, I had like a my team from corporate America coming to the house, and so I was going around the house and turn, you know, putting pictures in the in the drawers, what you do as you now, I don't know if you know, de-diking the house is what we always called it. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, my work people are coming over. And she's like- All those paintings of naked women had to get turned around? Well, I'm not I'm kidding. Just, I'm kidding. Yeah, so and she's <laughs> like, I, I don't understand this. Like, are you embarrassed? And I'm like, well, no, I just, you know, it's nobody's business. And she's like, oh yeah, well, if uh, if you're embarrassed by that, I'll just go ahead and leave. I was like, oh, I know. I get challenged like that a lot in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, the first time she tried to hold my hand in public, I did. I recoiled and, you know, and she's still, I think, singing from that just a little bit because it's, <laughs> you know, it's this, I'm sure it's a mixed message. It's right. internalized homophobia. We have it bad. It's like internalized racism. It's like, boom, you got it. What are you going to do? How do you undo it? Yeah. It's pretty hard and have to work on it. I still get so so I do a leadership podcast and then I'm doing this one so I'm alternating seasons and right now we're in the unbiasedly speaking lesbian podcast you know and, and there's a part of me I'm not going to lie Robin in the back of my mind that's like I hope I'm not losing my audience right and I'm like oh my gosh this is who I am I'm I'm gaining an audience but there's still that piece of judgment that I have about my own uh, experience as I move through, through the world. And I'm going to say, Rosemary just doesn't have that. I, you know, I'm hoping. I know, it's so refreshing, isn't it? Yes, it's so nice. Yeah. But, you know, being disowned by your parents, 
That's huge. How are you supposed to recover from that and feel solidly, openly uh, lesbian? It, it's pretty, it's a tall order. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense that you still struggle with it. And all of us who just, you know, my ex and I had to move out of the community I live in now in 1982 because we had our cars vandalized and we were called dykes walking down the street and the cab driver turns around and says, I know what you are and dr drives crazy. You know, it was just a tough, weird time and we lived through it and it's not so much that way anymore, but in certain parts of the country, I bet it is, no doubt. Well, for young people in rural areas that are very religious or anything, I mean, it's hard for me to even imagine. That's why I'd love to get the book and the stories I'm telling out all through the United States and just keep going with this thing because it's not even as needed where I live and it's so needed. Yeah. <laughs> that, listen, I love that. So your partner uh, and you know my wife are living in this world where these are just like stories that they can't believe and can't connect yeah. to you. And wow, you know, tell me what it was really, you know, I'm like, no, wait a minute. This, you know, the, it, what's important, history is always important because, you know, it gives us that foundation of how do we get where we are? And uh, I'm, I, I hope that the young people can listen to your stories, understand how far we've come and really appreciate, um, you know, the journey. So Listen, I'm just so grateful that you're doing what you're doing. That's, yeah, I, you know, like my partner now thinks, well, and it's true. She, it's almost kind of cool to be gay in certain, <laughs> in a certain way. Like to be a lesbian is like, you know, it started with the cover of Cindy Crawford and Katie Lang, you know, or Ellen, or, you know, it starts to build into a point where it's almost cool. It's it's alternative. It's interesting. Like my sons with their lesbian moms, the, the girlfriends think it's really cool. It's like, yay, good for you. You're a better man because you had two moms. You know, what an interesting view. We don't, I don't have that view as much. Well, I barely do. I'm like you. I'm, I'm cringing at the public display of affection. I'm constant. If she wants to kiss me or something in a public restaurant or something, I'm just looking around like, oh gosh, people are watching. Like they are not what necessarily, they're probably thinking, oh, that's so cute. No, I don't know. They're not, <laughs> it's tough. Let's go so with that. Let's change the world. Let's go, you and I, let's just change this world right now because we're part of the old guard and we get to just, you know, breathe through it, own it, move on. And I like, I love that I have this influence in my life of someone who's not, she's basically not shamed at all God. about being a lesbian. I, I guess that's what it is. It's shame. Can't even imagine not having that built into, you know, your story. So listen, if you're, uh, gosh, I hope you're still listening in. My guest today, uh, Robin Lowy, and she is the author of Game Changers. Uh, LesbianGameChangers.com is where you can go find her information. So go find the donate button. Let's support her. Let's continue to help fund uh, the education process of our young people. So and, and join me on Instagram too at Lesbian Game Changers. Uh, because that is where a lot of information is. And that's kind of the newest big thing. So please join, please join my Instagram. <laughs> I'm trying to grow and uh, come to my website. I've got everything there. It's, it's actually pretty interesting. It's, it's a good one. So I look forward to hearing from people. Email me, ask me questions, anything. Sounds good. Listen, so much, Tracy. Thank you. It was a pleasure.
Thanks for listening. Subscribe and join us next week.